everyone, and welcome to Mind the Gap, Enablix's only podcast seeking sales and marketing alignment. I'm your host, Nick Zeke Lopez, and today I'm joined with Anand Patel. Anand, how's it going? It's going well. It's going well. Can't complain, Nick. Thanks for having me. All right. So uh, now, Anand, uh, you were recently uh, listed, you said Forbes 30 under 30, right? Exactly. Yeah, I <laughs> no, no, no. But, um, but for those of us that don't read Forbes, um, can you tell us uh, who you are? Can you give us an intro? Yes, I can. My name is Anand. I'm the director of product marketing at AppQs, um, which is an awesome um, in-app product experience builder. It allows you to onboard and engage with your users and get them on the right track to see value in your product. I was an ex-user of AppQ, so it's awesome being on the other side and you know, being one of the, not product marketing and marketing to people that were just like me, I can have empathy. Um, and I've had my career has been kind of back and forth between uh, product management, marketing, mostly always in the tech SaaS world. And then I luckily got into product marketing and I've been here ever since in the middle of both marketing and product management. Okay. Well, and that's a hey, that, uh, sharing right out of my book. Um, I think so many people come from product marketing, either directly from sales or directly from. Uh, but but uh, listen, I, I took the traditional product management, product marketing route as well, um, and highly recommended for anybody asking. Yeah, it's, it's a great. Uh, I enjoyed product management. Honestly, like when I went into product marketing, I thought I would go back to product management, mm-hmm. uh, but then I fell in love with product marketing. So <laughs> I don't see that happening anymore. Yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, I, I definitely, I, I felt that too. Because once you're in product management for so many people, it's like, oh, well, this is this is like the best job to have, right? You, yeah. you sit in between, and then you realize there's this other space where you can sit between even more groups yeah. and do even more things. Which, and and, uh, and it's less political. Yeah. Oh, real less. Oh, man. Okay, we're gonna get into that because I, yeah. I have the opposite experience. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but, but let's get into that. So you came from product management into product marketing. Can you tell me a little bit of what brought you into product marketing and why you stayed? Yeah. Um, so as I mentioned, my background was like, I had kind of zigzag between marketing roles. So like I was an electrical engineer as a, as a, um, from schooling perspective, hated it. So I went into marketing, like digital online, social media marketing. And so I did a lot of like digital online marketing and traditional like tech marketing and then I'd gone back and forth between that and product management. I kept, I kept like woof waffing back and forth. Um, yeah. And I was at a small payment technology company as a product manager. And I knew it was my time to leave. And this is actually a, a funny story. But like literally a week before my wedding, um, the head of marketing at this company called Paysafe, which is a large global payment technology company, reached out to me on LinkedIn, said there's a product marketing role that she's hiring for. And they need someone to fill the gap between sale. I mean, it's not sales, so, which would be perfect, but between marketing <laughs> and product. Um, and I've done both. So she's like, oh, that, it feels like you'd be a good fit. Um, so I quickly had a call with her a couple of days before my wedding. And then on my honeymoon, mm-hmm. I got this job offer. So I was like, okay, um, I don't know if product marketing is what I want to do, but it seems like a great company, global company. Um, I've always been at like startups. So it was a change to go to like a 4,000 person company. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I mentioned, I thought I would go back to product management and I honestly like really enjoyed product marketing, um, and I've stuck with it and it's, 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 it's awesome because yes, you, you may not have as much influence on the roadmap and all that kind of stuff, but you still do have some influence, right? You can still play mm-hmm. a strategic role, but you really get to be close to the customer and be close to so many different teams internally as well. And, and you, you had mentioned 
and and up to you. you you had said product marketing is it feels less political than product management yeah would love to just quickly get your thoughts on that yeah i mean i guess it depends on which way right but like for me the biggest thing as a as a pm at like a startup or a small organization was when it came to like prioritization and roadmap there were so many voices right um some were customers some were sales folks some were the, the c-level individuals and it was your job to balance all of that um as a product marketer I don't have as much of that stress anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So I think from that perspective, when I say political, I mean I mean that I'm trying to yeah. be, be kind to everyone's suggestions and um, requests, while knowing that you know you can't do everything on the and you can't fit everything onto the roadmap. Oh, yeah, it's almost convenient. I mean, you get to be one voice. You are the voice of the customer. That's what you you don't have to balance the voices anymore. Correct. You are just fighting for what that person said, which which hundred yep, yep. percent. Um, I'm not going to say is easier, but it simplifies. Uh, your motivations into a great, great, great degree. Uh, I agree. Yep. Uh, so, um, you're at AppQs now. Um, and, and as I understand, uh, uh, this is, uh, I won't say, you know, it's not recent, uh, uh, but, but, but fairly, th- this was your step up and, and you were the first PMM or the first director or the, the head of PMM. Can you tell me about coming into that position and, and, uh, I want to kind of pull on this thread for a little while. Like, sure. what's difficult about being the first PMM and a growing organization like that? Yeah, um, great question. Uh, so, I was. They did have a PMM in the past, but I think it was very short, short term. Um, and a lot of the product marketing duties had been tackled by either the CEO who had, who had a marketing background or our VP of marketing. Um, and so, it was being balanced by them. And so, I was the. Besides a short-term product marketing hire they had, I was really the only one they've brought in yeah. um, and at a director level. And I've had experience building product marketing functions at other organizations. So when I went to Paysafe, again, that was a large 4,000-person company, but they had never had product marketing, um, which, which that was a whole different challenge in itself. Um, yeah. But I had to build that up from ground up. When I went to TeamSnap, which is a sports management software, which, which is my company right before AppQs, again, they had no product marketing. So... I really helped uh, define and establish that function at TeamSnap. I think the difference for me coming to AppQs was like I came in at AppQs at a director level, right? So like it came with a little bit more of like cachet and like, hey, I, you need to be involved in strategy and, you know, mm-hmm. collaboration across leaders, leaders and leadership. Um, while when I was, you know, setting up and establishing product marketing at my, my other experiences, it was very tactical, like, yeah. Hey, we need sales sheets. We need right. um, competitive analysis. We need to do all this stuff. And that was like, I was a PMM or a senior PMM. That was what I needed to do, right? So coming yeah. into this role at AppQs, where I was looking at it, like from the get-go, I was looking at strategy stuff. While at TeamSnap and, and PaySafe, like strategy came after I, I proved that I can do all the tactical things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a little bit of a flip, kind of a reversal of how... I've seen and approached it. So I think that was like the biggest challenge for me in that, you know, I'm used to the tactical things of um, delivering content and collateral and competitive intelligence and um, enablement and everything that I, need, I did uh, when I first started the other experiences at other companies. But this time, yes, that was still important, but I really need to be involved in positioning and, and narrative and some of the larger, higher level things that really um, play a role across the company. Mm-hmm. So I, I, a thousand questions jump out to me from that uh, uh, because I, I've lived part of, part of this journey myself. Uh, I'll go, they, they're going to be fairly unrelated, but I'll, I'll go uh, uh, into there. 
When stepping into a strategic product marketing position, having done that, where would you start? How do you know where to focus? And how do you know to make your requests for either resources or tools or processes or otherwise known? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think partly is just understanding like why is that company even hiring you in the first place, right? Um, when I came into AppQs, uh, my, my manager, Eric, who's our VP of marketing, very, very clearly laid out like, hey, we need to really figure out our positioning, narrative and messaging um, because you know, we're in a, like, like most software companies, we're in a competitive space, right? So we yeah. need to define why us and why are we different? Um, and there's no like great way of doing that. There's no perfect answer to that. So it just takes a lot of time and research. Um, and so I was lucky enough where he, he knew that from the get-go of when, when hiring this position, he needed someone that could help with that. Um, so that was kind of like built into my onboarding process, right? Um, mm -hmm. The challenge that came from that is also in realizing that other teams needed things, right? Like uh, the sales team or a customer. If the sales team, team hears they're yeah. getting a product marketer, they're expecting yeah. the sales sheets yeah. and the one pages and all that. Exactly. And so like, and, and again, that's stuff I've been really good at, right? In the past, like I've been really close with sales, my sales teams and past experiences. I've been like a champion for them. And, and so it was a different, it was a little different. And when I came into this experience and kind of having to shift that expectation, um, but honestly, what I would suggest going back to your question is like understanding like why are they, if, if, especially if you're the first product marketer and you're like a, you know, director level or, you know, you're, you're going to be more involved in strategy, just really having an understanding of why they're hiring that role and why they hired you. Because there are obviously gaps and needs that they had that caused them to bring you in, right? Um, mm -hmm. And there, there may be multiple different things. And but to their in their minds, they, they, I'm sure they've prioritized it a bit in their heads, right? So like it's mm -hmm. for it's your job to really get that out of them, um, and then figure out like where do I spend my time based on this knowledge of knowing why they brought me in in the first place. Yeah. So let's let's jump to that then. Um, you had mentioned prioritization a fair bit of uh, what you have to do coming into that position. Let's imagine maybe that they haven't prioritized for you, or it's or it's or it's loosely prioritized. How do you, I mean, of the, the 17 things product marketing is responsible for, how do you prioritize what needs to get done? And how do you even try to understand what you need to actually deliver on what the organization needs? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think one of the biggest challenges of being a product marketer is prioritization, right? Like, as you mentioned, there's so many things you're trying to juggle, all of them um, sometimes always equally important. Right. And so like, how do you figure out where to spend your time? Um, I think I'll, I'll just speak from experience, you know, as being from AppQs, right. I've been AppQs for six months. I, as I mentioned, I went, I came in here and I was told like positioning narrative messaging is really important for us. That's, that's, that's a high priority. But at the same time, like being in a competitive market and having a sales team that needs assets and collateral, like I had to juggle that. And so for me, the way that I approached it was realizing that positioning and narrative could play a huge role in what I deliver from when it comes to collateral and content and, and mm -hmm. the competitive, like just um, battle cards and everything, right? You, the, yes, you can do them in silo, but honestly, they should ladder back to your positioning and they should, should ladder back to your narrative. And so to me, it, it just felt right and it made sense that we can fi figure out and finalize our narrative and our positioning and then from there start building out the resources that our teams need, but they still tie back to this overall 
kind of context we're trying to create in the market. Yeah. You know, a, a thing that kind of gets me in many ways is speaking to marketing leaders, sales leaders, is this idea of uh, positioning, strategy, narrative. Mm -hmm. There's these three words that can, to a lot of people, can mean anything. Yep. They'll say, oh, we just got to fix our positioning. What does that even mean to you, right? Like that could mean so sure. many things. And, and you know, I spoke with Rory uh, Woodbridge a few weeks ago um, on, on the idea of message-based differentiation. And, and, I, and I, I think it's, it's good for a lot of businesses saying, you know, your sales team could get by so far with a product that just delivers on what you say it's going to do. But at a certain point, you have to be different based on your core message because anybody can build anything right now. And there's right. seven other companies that do something that's 10% away from what you do. So what is that message? So let me ask you, having come into a strategic position where the request was positioning narrative, yep. how do you know when you're done? How do you know when you've delivered what you need to do? How, how do you even gauge those things? Well, I will say you're never done. Um, it's, a, <laughs> it's an ongoing, iterative, kind of evolving thing, right? Um, for this specific exercise, the way that we went, we, we spent like a month, a month and a half really diving into data and customer insights and having multiple workshops that were hours and hours long with our CEO and our head of product and our head of marketing and other key stakeholders. Um, and our positioning, obviously, what we came out with was not like it was a 180 from what we were already at. It's yeah. Honestly, it was a refinement of what we had already, like the company had already been positioning itself as, but it was more of a, instead of being something loosey-goosey, like we defined it. Right. Um, and mm -hmm. so I think that was not necessarily there before. And so we cleaned it up, refined it. And although it wasn't anything groundbreakingly new, it was something that was tangible at this point. Um, mm -hmm. And in terms of like, are we done with that? No. Like, um, is that what our positioning is going to be for the next six to 12 months? Most likely. Right. But um, the market will change. The customers will have different needs. We are going to, you know, deliver and launch new products and features that would potentially change how we are positioning ourselves, right? So um, it's an evolving thing. But I think what it allowed us to do is say, here, here's, what we're, here's our position. Let's make sure that our current roadmap is aligned with that. Let's mm -hmm. make sure the way that we are interacting with customers through sales and our customer success and support teams um, provides like proof is a proof point of this positioning that we have in the market. Um, and so like, yeah, it's not a done deal and we're always continuing to work on it. Um, I, I think I've, I've read somewhere or I saw on Twitter or somewhere, right? Like your, your positioning, your narrative is like the story, but everything mm -hmm. that you're that you do as a company, whether that's a new release, a new feature or every interaction that you have with the customer is like a new chapter in that story that provides proof of that narrative. Right. Um, and That's so, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It wasn't me. I, I found that somewhere else, but no. I'll take I'll take credit for it. Though. It's um, a rupee rupee cower somewhere. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> no, but that, that's that's honestly what it is. So it's it's an every ever evolving thing. But like um, now that we have something defined, at least we can all internally um, come together around it and try to do our best to bring that to life in the market. Mm -hmm. And and when you talk about bringing it to life in the market, I, I think that extends. I, I see you're growing your team uh, over there. I think 
is it really as, as, as straightforward as saying, figure out what we want to say. Now we have to get people to create the stuff that says it. Is it, is it, is it kind of A then B? How do you had mentioned laddering back between giving the salespeople what they need that evokes the narrative while figuring out the narrative? Can you talk me through uh, where your mindset is there, knowing that positioning is both how everybody at the company feels, but also what is the stuff that sales and marketing is saying to the rest of the world that evokes that positioning? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a kind of a combination of a lot of things, right? Yes, as a marketing team, we can be um, we can be intentional about how we utilize messaging across collateral, across emails, and our website to um, make sure that what we're saying aligns with how we want to be positioning ourselves in the market. But it, as I mentioned, it's like every interaction a customer has, whether that's with our AEs or with our CSMs or with me on like a random webinar or our CEO, like that in itself is a interpretation of how we want to be seen in the market, right? So mm-hmm. um, yes, there's going to be things from a marketing perspective that we want to utilize our messaging for to try to tell that story. Um, but unless everyone in the company has this kind of context in the back of their minds, it's hard to bring it to life because like, again, everything you are doing out in the market um, is a proof point of, of this positioning and this narrative. That's right. If, you know, to what you said before, every new customer, every, every, every other thing is a chapter, right? Yeah. I, I, when I think about the number of things we at Enablex do that I feel like evolve our company, yeah, getting clients, but so much, you know, when you speak at a conference, when you, uh, you know, when, when you sponsor uh, an event or something like that, uh, so yeah. many of those things are spring from the position. Where do we want to be and who do we want to be? 100%. Um, I want to echo back to something you had said earlier. You'd said you had been a, uh, a really good performance PMM. I, I don't know. I, don't, I forget the word that you had used it, but. Um, uh, you said tactical, I think. Tactical, tactical yeah. PMM. Thank you. Um, how do you pivot? Because I think this is, this is a legitimately hard thing to do for many people. Mm-hmm. How do you pivot from a tactical PMM to a strategic PMM? Uh, what are the ways you go about doing that? And what are what are what should you be focusing on? How do you even know when you're doing it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say it was easier in my past experiences where I went from tactical and over time, as I got kind of, you know, built my reputation at the company, I was involved in more strategical things, because not only have you built trust with other internal folks, but because of all the tactical things you've done, you have so much insight and knowledge already, right? To then make those strategical decisions off of. Um, in the case where coming to app queues, where right off the bat, I had to start thinking strategically. Um, honestly, I don't know if I don't necessarily have the right answer of like, how do you make that transition well, right? Because I, mm-hmm. I just did it and I wouldn't say I did it great. I did a great job at it. Like, I think it's, it's trying to do a balance of understanding like where you've had strategical success before, right? And making sure that role that you've taken um, allows you to bring, you know, really dip into that expertise. And like, I've done a lot of positioning and messaging and brand building at my past experiences. So it it tied in well for me here. Um, But also like not getting too far away from some of the tactical things. Like I've done, I don't know, probably like, 20 or so, 30, 25, maybe like uh, win-loss interviews uh, since I've come to AppQs. And I've, you know, done a lot of like digging into HubSpot to look at data and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
Because at the end of the day, that is like the foundation of what's going to allow you to make the right strategical decisions, right? So mm. you have to like, you can't just be high level in the clouds all the time um, because your decisions are going to be coming from thin air in, in that situation. So you have to ha- figure out how to find the right balance. I, I don't know if I've found that or if I've done a good job with that. Um, it's still a struggle that I'm going through myself. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, is there such a thing as a strategic product marketer, right? Well, to a certain degree there is, but, but is product marketing a discipline where you have to be constantly doing to even when I say doing like in the trenches, like you said, like uh, feet in the dirt to be able to make those decisions. Um, Uh, Yeah. I mean, I I would say definitely at a small organization. Yes. Like you have to be like, you can't be so far away from the tactical and your customer and be a good product marketer, right? Like I've never been at a, a organization that has 10, 15, 20 PMMs and you know, they have a VP of product marketing. Like that might be a different story. I just don't know because I've never been in that situation. But when you're at a scaling, growing, you know, software company, like I've, I've been in most of my career, like you have to be on the ground level as, as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I, I've often thought, uh, and this this is my blueprint. I'm going to lay out a blueprint. You tell me uh, how much you hate it. Okay. <laughs> uh, for for a reasonable amount of pe- product marketers, right? Like you said, let's let's call it under twelve, under fifteen. Um, that should be a centralized role that reports into marketing because a lot of what you're doing is is enabling the sales team. Uh, you are uh, uh, enabling, you know, like uh, like you're doing very tangible things. Yep. As your organization starts to grow, in my perspective, a lot of times that that role of the product marketer can shift under product now mm-hmm. where product marketers and product managers team up either one to one or two to one or three to one. And, and more of your job as centralizing the product function is to make these product teams more responsible and more effective thoughts mm-hmm. on that, that kind of blueprint for organizational growth. I'm not sure like what my reaction to that would be like, <laughs> I, I, it, so actually at team snap, there was a short period of time where we moved from being under marketing to being under product. And mm-hmm. like, there's both. There's definitely benefits to that because like, sometimes that product product marketing relationship is one of the hardest ones to build. Right? Um, being on the same team makes that easier. Hopefully, in in in, in um, kind of high level, you think it should at least. Right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, this is just a personal thing. I love marketing. Right? And so like, being a little bit further away from that kind of kind of sucks. Um, so I don't know what the right approach is. Like one thing I've seen, um, even at Team Snap, this is right before I left, but they actually, so product marketing went from being under marketing to being under product for a very short amount of time. And our, our VP of product ended up taking on and kind of shifting to the head of strategy role and product marketing fit under that. And I've seen other companies do, I think it was like Unbounce where um, product marketing now fits under strategy, right? So it's a mm-hmm. completely separate uh, function. Yeah. I mean, you have to be at a certain size to be able to achieve that maybe, but like, um, like essentially what product marketing is, it's, it's not product, it's not marketing, it's kind of, the, it's not sales, it's none of that. It's, it's a blend of all that to, to mm-hmm. and having a higher level strategy across the board, right? Um, so maybe that being under a function on its own called strategy, maybe that's the right approach. Um, I think it really depends on your company, your situation, et cetera. Yeah, to, and to me, it it's, and, and what I think we're seeing I, I thought we'd see coalesce more that we're not seeing coalesce in the market from from my 
vantage point is I, th- I thought we would pick, all right, what is this thing that mar- product marketing does and how do we, how do we manage how it's successful? And, and maybe it's too soon, but we're not seeing it. To yeah. me, it's what do you want from your product marketing team? So to what you said, hey, it sits between these teams and it's responsible for making them successful. Cool. Sit under strategy. But then your success metrics at the end of the day, your OKRs, your, your, what I'm going to measure you on is going to come from those teams. Yeah. In many worlds, product marketing is responsible for revenue. Revenue yeah. goes up. I'm, I assume you're doing your job. Uh, uh, they own sales enablement, perhaps. In yeah. that world, maybe you, you need to sit under marketing and sit next to sales and you're, you're, the degree to which you're attached to product management is, is less relevant. Sure. Uh, uh, and then and, and, another... Yeah, go ahead. Good. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that in other places, it's you are relevant for how are features being adopted? How, how, how is it? And this is at large organizations. How yeah. is it, our actual product being received by the market? And if that's going well, well, then maybe you should sit right under product because you're evangelizing the product all day. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was about to say. Is like for me as a product marketer, like I've I've always kind of said this. I had this belief like we don't we don't build products to sell them. We build products so people can use them and get value from them, right? And so Mm -hmm. as a product marketer, our job is not just to help our company get folks in the door. It's to help these customers see the value of our solution see the promise that we made them through all this messaging and marketing that we've done. Um, and so adoption is a piece of that, right? And so that's what you, what you mentioned. Like some, that, that is more of a product kind of thing, right? While uh, driving leads and revenue and you know, increasing win rates and all that kind of stuff is marketing and sales. So it's, like, it's a weird balance. And I think the, it becomes even blurrier in this whole like product-led kind of growth uh, world yeah. where – you're balancing both. Like the whole point of product led is to drive um, acquisition through a different kind of model, but that acquisition relies on adoption and activation of your product, right? And so it's it's a weird kind of blend that you um, that new kind of world brings. Um, so yeah, I mean it's it's a, it's an interesting weird place to be. You know, product market you don't sit anywhere specifically, and you're across the board. So it's tough at times, I would say. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I definitely agree. And uh, I, I don't, I mean, no, obviously no one's nailed it, right? Like, I, I, I think that there are there are other uh, institutions, but we talk about product marketing, talk about things like sales enablement, revenue operations, sales operations. I, I see so many conflicting points of view that I'm like, yeah, no one's no one's got this yet. <laughs> um, uh, so, so a question, right? This, this is mind the gap. I do have any questions. Yeah. Uh, uh, any surefire tips on how to to close the sales marketing gap? What what are things uh, uh, What are things that you have found valuable in your time, either at AppQs or before, that you you're thinking, oh, not enough people are doing this. Or if I had one thing to say, this yeah. would be it. Um, I mean, I would say just from my learnings at being at AppQs for the last six months is like just do a better job of setting those expectations, right? Like these other teams including sales, they have needs, right? And they have things that they're looking for because at the end of the day, they need to meet their goals. They need to close deals. They need to hit revenue numbers, whatever the case may be. But as a product marketer, as we've mentioned multiple times, you are juggling a lot. But the sales team doesn't necessarily always know this, right? They don't know what you're focused on or kind of what's priority for you right now. Um, And the only way they will know that is if you are just transparent and you set the expectations and let them kind of come into your world a little bit because then maybe they can have some empathy for what you're going through and they, they'll understand, hey, he hasn't delivered this sales sheet or this product video yet, but 
I know it will come. I, yeah, it'll be there eventually, but he's juggling all these other things or she's juggling these other things. So at the end of the day, like I think the best tip I have is just try to be as transparent and set the expectations as, as best as you can. There's no perfect answer. There's no p- perfect way to juggle things, but all you can be is honest and be transparent with the teams that you are helping and supporting. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that sounds good. We, we just, I just talked to uh, a director of marketing infrastructure who said that the key to mining the gap is empathy. If we yeah. all have an accurate understanding of what each other's doing, there is no gap. But yeah. finding that accurate understanding of what we're all doing because what we're doing is changing so quickly is almost impossible. Yep. Uh, and and um, I, I, I relate to that very much. <laughs> um, so, uh, and, and before we break here, we're, we're almost at, at time. Is there anything else you'd like to mention or any other, any other, any questions for me you'd like to get out there? Um, I've been, I feel like I've been uh, asking you 20 questions here. No, I mean, I'd love to kind of, um, actually a question for you in terms of anything to plug, no, nothing to plug. Just if you, if check out app so you were a great tool for product managers, product marketers, customer success, all these key individuals that. Um, within your company to use to really drive engagement of your users, right? And especially in this product-led world. Um, a question I would have for you is just like being at Enablex where you are, you know, sitting, the tool sits between sales sometimes and marketing or product marketing, right? Like yeah. what, are, what are you seeing when it comes to like making that relationship a, a success? Uh, I am seeing that incentives have to be aligned with where people believe success is. So, you know, we, we, so, so Enablex, we do sales content management. And, it, and even if you don't have an Enablex, I think a lot of product marketers and sales enablement people, uh, there's this, there's this back and forth of sales is saying, I need this, I need this, I need this. And then it kind of gets loss of like, well, did you use it? Did you, mm-hmm. did you want it? Hey, I think you need this, but you're not using that. Right. And there's like all these little riffs. So then, so then you have these weekly meetings. Hey guys, here's all the stuff we came out with last week, but then sales doesn't pay attention. And then sales is saying, yeah, but that's not usable to me. I think the the need for whether it be content, information, uh, uh, leads, whatever that is, where that that request is has to be incentivized to everybody, so that we're all on the same page. Of we all really agree down to the core. This is either how we sell. This is how we raise adoption. This is and and I I think that in large scale, 80, 80 to ninety percent of organizations have that. But on small things like, hey, what, what's going to help you close more deals? What's going to help you sell a little faster? What do you need next week? I see so many organizations kind of miss. And what it does is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of the, I don't want to say the broken window theory, but hey, when, when I asked you for a sales sheet and you, you told me either no or you didn't get it to me or didn't get it in time or something, it just starts to erode that trust of, hey, I'm sure what you're doing is valuable, just not valuable to me. Yeah. And I think that is the biggest killer of them all. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, the, the one final tip I would give, um, just, like kind of spurred at the top of my mind, is like yeah. when you do deliver new things, whether it's blog posts or a piece of collateral or a video, like it's our responsibility to make sure the sales team or the customer-facing team understands the value of that thing that we're delivering and why it should matter to them and how they should be utilizing it in their conversations. Right? Like it's not enough to just throw it over the wall and hope that the sales team or the, any customer-facing team uses it correctly. And, 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 you know, and this is, this is where we go down the line of, of, uh, you'd ask me for my one thing. So I'm going to get smaller and smaller here, but I've seen that go the opposite way too, where, where marketers will make very big deals over the, the relative value of a, a blog post or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's not, 
it's not useful to the sales team. Sales <laughs> didn't want it. They, they yep. didn't ask for that. But but it gets it gets to the point of hey, like yeah. But make it make that an open discussion right. because I've seen a lot of people be like, hey, aren't you glad I gave you this amazing thing? And they're like, I now hate you more. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, it, it's been been awesome uh, 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 talk with you. This, this is it, it's echoed very closely in my experience as well. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I appreciate it. Um, yeah, thanks for having uh, me. It's been great. Absolutely. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Anand Patel. Thanks all. This has been Mind the Gap, a podcast about sales and marketing alignment put on by Enablex. My name is Nick Lopez. Thanks for listening.